With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Lizette Scott spent the early part of her career designing clothing. She worked at DKNY, Tracy Reese, and Vince Camuto. But when she decided she wanted to build something of her own, she made the leap to jewelry. And Jam Enrico, a celebration of the two islands her family comes from, was born. We talk about building a product line, how luck forced her hand in making Jam Enrico her full-time job, and how you celebrate culture without exploiting it. Lizette, thank you for doing this. Thanks for making the time. Of course, of course. Happy to be on the call with you today. So Lizette, your grandparents are from Jamaica and Puerto Rico. By the time your parents were raising you in New York, which part of those cultures were they still preserving? How was it showing up in your home? Definitely food, music. It was definitely a blended family. Everyone migrated to Brooklyn. So it was also very like, very much a community a lot of immigrants came to Brooklyn to find a better place, a better home. And I think that was kind of what everyone bonded on when my parents first met. And so I think it was definitely lots of love on both sides. You are a designer by training and by trade. You went to college for design at the University of Delaware. You worked in fashion after college. But you, you didn't start in jewelry. Right? By doing well, fabric. I would say I did start with jewelry. I had a family friend that opened her own jewelry store when I was in high school and I thought it was the most amazing place. I was like, oh my gosh, she had all these jewels everywhere. She did engagement rings. It was fine, mostly fine jewelry. And of course, my mom was like always shopping in there, trying to find something, <laughs> something for herself. So I was in there, you know, just admiring everything. And 
she was a friend, a family member of a close friend. So I was like, wow, if she can open a jewelry store in this neighborhood with, you know, the customer she's getting. And to this day, the store is still open. I really was inspired in high school just to learn how to like wire wrap, figure out how she was doing it and just started getting curious about it, buying beads. And then just every weekend, I was just like making jewelry on the side and figuring out how I can just make stuff for myself first and then figure out how, oh, my mom likes it. She's interested or her friends are interested. It kind of just grew from there as of passion. And then, you know, when it came time to say, okay, what are we going to go to college for? What are we going to go and study? I mean, I was so nervous to say, okay, jewelry is going to be it. I applied to college for education. And that's, you know, something that in my mom's eyes was something that was stable and could definitely get the bills paid. And but in my heart, I always knew that that really wasn't what I wanted to go to college for. I took my first class the first day it was teaching math and I hated it. I was so miserable and I ran to, luckily the college that I went to had a fashion department. I ran to the fashion department and I was like, help me. I do not (laughs) want to be in this class ever again. I will tell my parents that I transferred, but I need to switch to fashion. And that was the sign that I needed. (laughs) No, I did not want to teach math to children. (laughs) I imagine that being a designer for a brand, as you were for Vince Camuto, for Tracy Reese, that it's a little bit like being a speechwriter or a television producer in that you're applying a skill you have to someone else's style. You're still working within the parameters of someone else's vision. And I wonder both like how you do that, right? Um, and then also the point at which that begins to feel limiting. Yes. When you're in school, they want you to design from your heart, do designs that come to your mind, whatever inspiration you have. That is not the truth at all. Um, Like you said, you have to apply those design skills to a business. And, you know, we did do projects like that. Like I had a project designed for H&M or like designed for Zara. But I think when you're going and you're like, there's this dreamy aspect of fashion design that you'll be able to develop these like outrageous, gorgeous pieces and someone's just going to buy them from you and you're going to have all this success. And starting out in your career, you have to learn from the greatest and the best that you can in the industry and how I definitely tell everyone that kind of connects with me and reaches out to me that's just graduating. And they're like, I want to start my brand. I want to develop this and make this. I'm like, well, I thought the best way for me to start and develop was to get that knowledge from a business that's already doing it to see what their faults are, but also see their accomplishments and how they got to that point. It really shapes how you will take your brand and develop your brand and go forward. So take me to the moment where you realize, hey, I could be building a brand on my own. It did take some time. Like you said, designing for other brands is limited. And it it just got kind of like mundane after a while to just have to keep doing the same look, the same style. I missed the excitement of doing my own thing and started, you know, sketching on the side and 
dreaming about different things that I could make. And I decided to take the leap into my own brand and make pieces that were unique to me. But instead of doing apparel, I decided to focus on jewelry because it was just more fun for me to create. And I like the fact that I didn't have to, I mean, in fashion, in apparel, you have to do fittings. So I was like, I don't want to be in fittings anymore. I don't want to fit to a certain body type or have to make clothes fit all heights. I wanted to make something that was a little bit more freeing and fun. So I chose jewelry. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I think about Jen Ziano, who we've interviewed before on Latina to Latina, and she she runs what is now like a, a big apparel company, but originally it was t-shirts and it was her and her girlfriend in an apartment with like surrounded with their <laughs> t-shirts because they didn't have a warehouse. And it's a thing when you go into printing t-shirts, you don't think about like just the the volume of the product that you were selling where the volume of the product that you're selling is a little bit different. It takes less space, but the material and such is coming in at a higher price point. How did you think through all of those questions? Because the design is one piece. Yes. The running, the business of this is a whole other. Oh, it is a whole other beast. Um, and 
I, I think it was just more so trial and error for me. Once I decided, I said, okay, you know, I want to design. I did my first show at Essence and I was so nervous to sell in person. I was like, I'm not ready. I don't think so. It was my first pop-up. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, let's get out there and just sell some jewelry and see what happens. And wait, what, why weren't you ready? Cause you thought like people would balk at the price point. You were afraid of no one liking it. Um, it was just a combination of things. Yeah. No one liking it. Maybe this wasn't my best collection. Maybe I should start having more press or having, you know, it in more stores. It was definitely all the fears just like circulating in my mind, like what could possibly happen? Maybe somebody doesn't like it and they just like throw it on the floor, laugh at it. Who knows? Like anything could happen at that time. So I was just That's like, so cruel. <laughs> I was just like, let's just, uh, maybe not. But, you know, a couple people talked me into it and they were like, you know, just go for it. Take that leap and see how you can grow from there and learn. Like that was my first pop-up to see like, okay, what do people like? What people don't like? The prices, do people like the price? Do they not like the price? Like how can I kind of make the customer happy? And people were just like loving it. At that time, I don't believe I was registered as a business. So now, you know, I was starting to have to figure out taxes and how to get registered in New York City. Then I built my website myself. I was like, okay, how, you know, what are the next steps and what are the next things I have to do? And what really helped me figure that out were applying for grants and incubators and just seeing what other brands that were starting off on the same level as me, what they were kind of working on. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to take advice from other people or ask questions. That was a really hard thing for me to just say, okay, I don't know something, let me go and ask. And I made sure that with every step that I was unsure of, like I reached out to a business that I was inspired by and just sent them a message and said, you know, I'm starting this, how could you help? Or like reached out to people that I've worked with previously in the industry, asking them about factories. A lot of businesses are growing at the same rate that you are at the same time. And in the pop-ups, I would always make sure I introduced myself to everyone that I was selling with because, you know, we're all pretty much trying to figure out the same thing. At what point do you quit your job? It took me a really long time, actually, to say, okay, I'm going to quit and that would be it. And what made that transition a lot easier was during the pandemic. A lot of people were at home shopping. The um, Black Lives Matter movement happened. A lot of focus on Black businesses was coming around. And my website and my Instagram like blew up. And I was able to kind of, I luckily had just updated my website, had new product. So at the height of the pandemic, I didn't have what other companies had with halt of production. I had just ordered inventory. So I was fully stocked and like ready to go. So everyone was coming to the website, ready to shop, ready to check out the brand, which was a perfect opportunity for me to kind of leverage that. And I was let go of my job, I think around October during the pandemic. And it was so funny because I was kept pushing back my end date. And I was like, I'm going to quit in 
I think it was like January. Then I was like, I'm going to quit in February. And then I kept just pushing back when I was going to leave because it was getting, you know, the business was picking up. I was getting very overwhelmed with orders and, you know, having to work long nights and it was getting to be a lot. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And the pandemic hit and everyone was like, okay, you, we're going to shut down and we're going to start letting go of people. And I was like, oh, this works. Okay, thank you. Yeah, pushed out of the nest. <laughs> yes, like, I was like, this is a wonderful thing that just happens. <laughs> so it was definitely an easier way to take that leap and go for it and, you know, not have any regrets. So much of your business model is based on direct to consumer, on someone coming to your website, ordering a necklace, ordering a set of earrings and having it delivered to their door. I wonder, as you think about the future of Gem Enrico, how you are imagining, do you think it can stay direct to consumer or does it have to have a storefront? Does it have to exist in major retailers in order for it to to grow into what you want it to be? Yes, this is a question that I've been having more recently. When I first started, I did have that dream for our brand to be in major retailers and to be across the country and have this big rollout. But as I've evolved the brand and have had many wholesale partnerships, it has resulted in a shift in some way because Whenever you have a partnership with a major retailer, you have to do a, there's a lot of back end within the contract and there could be buybacks. There could be discounts they want to put to the product. This could also be a lot of interviews, questions, things that the designer has to kind of take time out of the business that's run full time to focus on these brand partnerships. So it's not to say that I'm not looking forward to having those major retailer partnerships, but I've definitely taken a step back to see how that would affect my business and be very strategic. Right now, I'm really excited about doing more special collaborations, meaning I would do custom design work for different brands. That kind of is more fulfilling for me, but our direct-to-consumer model has definitely shaped how we've been able to grow and our customers are, you know, they're excited when they receive their boxes and they keep coming back to our website. So we definitely value that as our business model as well. Is my understanding that as part of Gem Enrico, you do a lot of traveling to source inspiration. And I wonder if you could tell me about how one of those trips directly impacted the design or the products that you put forth. Yeah, that was something that I wanted to incorporate into my business to connect more with the Caribbean. I grew up in America, my mom and dad also. So my grandparents were from the islands and I always had that craving that I wanted to go down there. I wanted to connect to family. I wanted to see where they lived, where they grew up. And I decided, you know, as I was going to create my brand, I wanted to focus on my heritage and make something that I would want to wear, but also would connect with other people that were from the islands as well. My favorite trip thus far, I think would be going to Puerto Rico. This was the one that we just 
went to our newest collection. And I think it was my favorite because this time I was a little bit more focused on the business and we traveled to three parts of the island and I was able to connect to so many different people and so many organizations. With each trip, we do a, um, a give back, a nonprofit day as well. So just having the opportunity to share my experience that my grandparents were from the island and then come back home and develop each piece that was made with love and care and thought was definitely very fulfilling. When you build a brand that is an homage to a place you come from, I think you'll agree there's a push and pull between honoring those cultures without wanting to exploit those cultures. And I just wonder sort of how you have come up against that and how you have thought about that challenge. Another reason why I wanted to focus on these islands was because I noticed a lot of brands use, you know, the resort life and traveling to the beaches and (laughs) going to these all-inclusives. And, you know, we all want to have a good time and we all want to have a fun vacation. But I, I felt like the experience was getting lost. These resorts aren't sharing, aren't providing the full experience of food. They're not cooking using the right ingredients. So definitely I wanted to have you know, show a different part of the island that wasn't that. There's other restaurants, there's other events that are happening that are more so within the community. So I kind of took that as my opportunity to share the culture a little bit more. We're also going to be launching a blog, sharing our journey and our trip, because we do get a lot of people that are like, oh, where'd you go? How'd you like it? And people even, you know, I mean, they're like, I'm wearing my earrings at the same place you went. And I got to meet the people that you stayed at the Airbnb with. And that is the part that really touches me and really helps me see the bigger picture of how I can help people on the island and help those businesses get more customers. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to share and connect as well. Thank you, as always, for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Manuela Bedoya is our marketing lead. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer and mix this episode. We love hearing from you. It makes our day. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram. Tweet us at latinatolatina. Check out our merchandise that is on our website, latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember, please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you are listening right now. Every time you share this podcast, every time you share an episode, every time you leave a review, it helps us to grow as a community.
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.